Welcome to the Wealth Building Made Simple podcast. Today, an Ask Philip segment, the four asset buckets. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now... Here's Philip. Alrighty. Happy Friday. Today we are talking about the four asset buckets. And I'm going to start by explaining like what are the components of an investment return? And, uh, or better said, where do returns come from in investments? So one component is the money supply. How much money it's created in the system. And we talked in previous episodes about the way that money is distributed. Either It's going to either show up in asset inflation uh, and or consumer price inflation. So that's one component. Other component is, uh, and let me, let me, let me, let me, let me sit on that for a second. So when you have money being taken out of the system, which is currently right now, All things being equal, it has a negative effect on asset prices. And so the Fed says they're going to tighten. You look at all the other nerd metrics that we look at, like euro bond, uh, uh, euro dollar futures. Um, That market has shown tightness. And and, and so the result being asset prices falling. Again, all all other factors being equal. So what's in the reverse is also true. If there's uh, lots of money being put into the system, uh, like there has been for the last 13 years, and like the big splash of money that was put in about 18 months ago, you see asset, asset prices, all things being equal, go up a lot. Uh, growth uh, is the second factor. Uh, and when I say growth, it can be growth of an industry, growth of a company, growth of an economy. All of those factors uh, affect a uh, the asset uh, price movement. The third factor is cash flow. That whether it's dividends, uh, rental income, interest income, um, because those those have values. And so you, the, the better you're able to analyze uh, all those factors and make us make uh, projections on where money supply will be, what growth will be, uh, what. Uh, cash flow will be from different assets, the better investor you're going to be. And and those really are the three factors. I mean, the hard part is, you know, what I call making the gumbo, putting it together to, to, to create real, you know, realistic conservative assumptions of future price movements. So, so now you have the basis for understanding the four buckets of assets because uh, different assets respond differently in, in, in different economic uh, environments, and, and I'll get into and talk about you. We we typically, and I'm oversimplifying this. You have something like a decade of a certain economic environment. Sometimes it's five years, sometimes it's fifteen years, but let's call it on average. You know, you have a decade trend of a different economic uh, of a different environment where one bucket outperforms the other buckets over you know, over, over those periods of time. And so 
the the, the first bucket is what I is, and when I say I call right at this point of my career, everything that I have is stolen, <laughs> put into my own words. Uh, so I'll put the disclaimer out there, but I call this the inflationary boom assets. And so these assets do well when the global economy is booming, right? And there's lots of money being created to support uh, to support uh, the growth. And so that's when value stocks do well, uh, emerging market and international stocks do well, commodities do well, precious metals do well, right? That's an environment of Rising interest rates, lots of money creation, lots of growth. I call that an inflation, an inflationary, uh, inflationary boom asset. So that's one bucket. Second bucket being deflationary boom assets. So that's what we experienced since 2008, where um, you have relatively low growth, relatively uh, low interest rates. And in that environment, investors are looking for growth. So they go to growth stocks, innovation stocks. Uh, today we have Bitcoin, crypto. Uh, real estate also does well in the inflationary boom and uh, the deflationary uh, boom as well. Fourth bucket is deflationary bust. And, and, and the deflationary bust historically you know, doesn't last a decade globally. Not saying it can't. Typically a bust is when you think like 08, 09. Right, that's a deflationary bust. It can also be country-specific. You have deflationary busts in specific countries. But that's when everything falls um, uh, and or we're in a mini deflationary bust right now with the market doing what it's doing as we have the money supply being tightened. And so in that environment, really just cash and short-term bonds, right, uh, um, uh, tend to do well in, in that environment. Uh, and, and uh, you know, long-term bonds do well over a longer term, meaning 18 to 24-month type recession. Um, uh, long-term treasury bonds do well in deflationary busts. Inflationary busts, so that's what we would consider stagflation. So that's like slow growth um, and lots of inflation. And I call that like when currencies die. You know, so 1970s is an example where the the the, the financial system set up after Bretton Woods that was in place from 1945 to 1971-ish, right? That died whenever Nixon broke the link to gold. And so we had a, and we also had, you know, relatively slow growth. So we had the 70s of an inflationary bust where there wasn't a lot of growth. Um, but there's a lot of, um, uh, the, the currency was dying because we were, you know, printing lots of money because we delinked it from gold uh, to pay for all the stuff we were paying for. So that's an example of a, inflationary bust assets and that's you know gold typically does well commodities right and enter bitcoin in the picture and so so when you're building a portfolio right you you want to factor in like risk tolerance time frame um you you i, I call that um you know measuring the amount of volatility you want to uh, have my last friday episode was all about that standard deviation but to recap it's how much of this up and down movement do you want? How much uncertainty do you want in your portfolio? Again, all things being equal, the more uncertainty, the higher the potential the reward, the lower, the less the potential reward. Uh, rebalancing, right? How much rebalancing you do. Uh, rebalancing is um, if you say I want 20% of my money in this asset class. If I say I want you know 25% of my money in, in, in bucket one, 25 in bucket two, 25 in bucket three, 25 in bucket four, and... Things happen and the buckets got out of whack. Rebalancing is how often do you put the percentages back to the appropriate percentage um, 
um, you know, over time. The, the, the more rebalancing, historically, it can help lower the uncertainty of the portfolio. Um, and then if, you know, if somebody wants to decrease the volatility, uh, again, all things being equal, um, adding more bonds and cash to the portfolio doesn't doesn't increase the return necessarily. It just uh, makes the portfolio uh, more stable. So, if you're looking to improve your potential returns, right? What what you the, the easy thing to do if you you know when you're starting to build, you say, "Cool, I, you definitely want to own." Put money, have money in all buckets, right? Because this future's uncertainty, uncertain. We don't know, and diversification is like one of the best things we can do to protect and grow our money, right? So, but the next, but the next step becomes okay. Um, you know, how much of you know how much of our money do we want in, in in each bucket, right? That's a factor of again risk tolerance, time frame, how much up and down movement you want. But then the other thing you want to do is you say, hey, okay, now if I want to, if I want to. Uh, increase my returns for a given level of risk I take. Um, you 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 want to do your best to uh, predict w- what trend will happen over the next ten years. So, which economic environment are we going to be in over the next uh, decade? Right, because again, if you if you guess right, w- w- you know we know historically one of the buck one of the buckets will outperform the other buckets based on the economic trend. So, if you can guess that right, that's a big if. Right, you could you could have potentially better returns, and and um, why do I like to look at five and ten year trends? Because you have short term corrections and longer term trends. So, for example, right now, um, if, and I go into my my estimation of the five and ten year trend, but right now we're in a correction of what I believe the five or ten year trend will be. So I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change my strategy because of the short-term market movement. That's that's crazy. Um, uh, so you got to have a long-term time frame because in the short term, markets are uh, trade on emotions and guessing. But over the long term, they follow the fundamentals again: money supply, growth, and cash flow. So um, and 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 there there's a cool study if you want to study it. Like Google, I tried to write it down, but Google um, look up. Uh, capitalgroup.com slash uh, individual slash planning slash investing dash fundamentals slash time dash not dash timing dash is dash what dash matters. I know you're not going to remember that, but play this back if you really want to find the article. Um, But it's a really good article where it shows that you know, it takes a period of investing and, and, and it takes a 20 year period, but I've seen this analysis done multiple times over different periods and it's similar, you know, similar conclusion over a 10 year period of time. Uh, if, if you look at, if you look at a diversified portfolio of stocks, like, a you know, let's say the S and P 500, which is the basket they use, but the S and P 500 has companies in it that do business around the world. So it's a good representation of, 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 of global growth. 94% of the times the market is up over a 10 year period of time right and because because most of the time we're in a boom period right most 10 year decades you know we're growing now m- my estimation the 6% of the time when it's not you know that has been times where 
uh, currencies have died like the 1970s. And in that environment, only thing does well is <laughs> uh, gold commodities, right? And 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 if we experience it in the future, that's where uh, the digital gold, Bitcoin, um, sh- should do well. So have a long-term time frame. Uh, guess which one. Uh, do your research. Figure out which one is gonna uh, is gonna do well. But own it all, because again, if you have a diversified portfolio and you, you know, you 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 assume that um, the next ten years is gonna be one environment, and it's not, then you have other assets that's gonna that could potentially help you at least still make money, right? Um, because again. In, in 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 three of the in, in three of the four buckets over a ten year period of time, historically you're going to make money ninety four percent of the time. But if you have that asset in the fourth bucket, so if you have gold, Bitcoin, uh, commodities as a even small part of the portfolio, and then we hit that 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 period where we're in a uh, inflationary bust, then those assets have historic historically soared, and 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 that potentially could save the overall portfolio and still put you in a position to make money over that period of time because the study just studied the stock market, right? It's not factoring in commodities, gold, all that kind of stuff. And so that's why diversification uh, is fully important. That's why having a 10-year time frame is really important. But but as most of you know, my 10-year bet, right, when you have a bet, you want to tilt your portfolio in that direction. Again, you know, maybe don't maybe don't bet at all, but tilt it in that direction. But I'm, 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 I believe we are still in a deflationary boom environment, um, and and I'm not going to give away all the things that we look at, but I will say the the bond market and the euro dollar market are two of the most sophisticated markets uh, on the planet, and you get insight into the wisdom of the crowd because there's no way I'm the smartest person at all. Most people think they are. Uh, um, and even teams, right? Team, even teams of a thousand analysts, there's like millions of folks looking at the market that you're probably not going to be uh, smarter than. But wisdom of the crowds is something that you can use uh, uh, in your analysis. Meaning, I'll, I go back to an analogy I use often. Professors at universities will put a jar of jelly bean in the front of the class and they'll have each individual student guess how many jelly beans are in the jar. No individual will guess the right number, but the average of the class guesses is pretty spot on um, uh, to, to how many jelly beans are in there. And so wisdom of the crowd is saying, if I pay attention to these markets, bond rates, euro dollar rates, they, they let me know what growth expectations are. They let me know uh, what cash flow expectations are, or, you know, because they're, you know, all other asset prices are built off of treasury rates and 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 the and the and the uh, euro dollar rate, which is the risk free rate of the reserve asset of the world, which is the dollar, right? So I know I went nerd on that part, but the point is, don't try to be too smart, uh, uh, which means diversify, and then also leverage the wisdom of the crowd. It tells you a lot and allows you to uh, focus on the big picture and not get stuck in the weeds. Um, and, I'm, and a third, you know, be long term. So I hope this helps somebody. Uh, replay this three times. This is a really important episode to understand. I mean, this, this, this is the game. Like this is everything I've learned, and you know, you know, my twenty year study of finance and everything uh, narrowed down into a 10-15 minute episode. 
Um, obviously, you can unpack different things, but this is it. So thank you all. Enjoy your week. Talk to you next week. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.